Good morning, church family. <clears throat> it is so good to see so many of you here this morning on what is the first Sunday in the month of November and our ninth and final Sunday in chapter one of the Gospel of Mark. Yes, you heard that right, for it has only taken us nine short weeks to work our way through chapter one, but Lord willing, we will most definitely finish up chapter one today by looking this morning at verses 40 through 45, or where Jesus cleanses a leper. <clears throat> and we will pick up in the text today after some time has passed following that action-packed Sabbath day in which we have been looking at for the past three weeks. A day which started with Jesus Christ going into the synagogue in Capernaum in order to teach. And as verse 22 informed of Jesus Christ taught on that day in the synagogue as one who had authority or as one who had divine authority. And then after teaching in the synagogue, Jesus Christ also displayed that he had authority over the demonic by verse 26, cleansing a man with an unclean spirit. However, church, Jesus' action-packed day, it did not end there, because when Jesus Christ arrived back at Simon and Andrew's house in Capernaum, he then healed Simon's mother-in-law, who was sick with a fever, verse 31, and then that evening Jesus healed many more who were sick and casted out many demons, verse 34. And yet, just when you thought that Jesus Christ was finally going to get some rest and to be able to take a break following his busy day of ministry, it says in verse 35 that Jesus Christ then got up early the next morning in order to spend time with his Father in prayer, only for his intimate time of prayer to be interrupted by Simon Peter and those who were with him in order so that they could share with Jesus, verse 37, that everyone was looking for him. In essence, they were coming to Jesus Christ to tell him that there were tons and tons of people in Capernaum looking for him and desiring for him to perform more miracles, to heal more sick, and to cast out more demons, to which Jesus Christ then responded back to Simon. Simon Peter, by saying to him in verse 38, let us go then on to the next towns that I may preach there also. And Jesus Christ unapologetically said this to Simon Peter, church, because Jesus Christ, he came into this world, not primarily to heal the sick, not chiefly to perform miracles, and not principally to cast out demons, but Jesus Christ, he came into this world to clearly, profoundly, and indiscriminately preach the good news of the kingdom of God to this world, and thus that is exactly what Jesus Jesus Christ then goes out to do. For as it says in verse 39, Jesus Christ then went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons, effectively giving to the world the only message that can save the world from their very sins, that being the gospel of God, while also then authenticating to the world the truthfulness or the veracity of that message by casting out many demons. To which Jesus Christ then, church, he, 
was likely doing this for weeks on end, maybe even months on end, throughout all the region of Galilee. And then at some point, as Jesus was out ministering in Galilee, he comes into direct contact, face to face, as we see in our text today, with that of an unclean leper. Which takes us now to our thesis statement this morning, church, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Jesus Christ not only traded places with a leper, but he was also willing to be our substitute as well, Christian, and die for our very sins. Jesus Christ not only traded places with a leper, but he was also willing to be our substitute as well, Christian, and die for our very sins. Let's at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up to the Gospel of Mark, as we will be finishing up chapter 1 this morning by working our way through verses 40 through 45. And if you are joining us this morning and do not own a Bible, please know that there are Bibles located literally in each and every chair in this sanctuary. Therefore, please feel free to grab a Bible this morning to turn to page 837 and to join us as we as a church body hear the infallible and inerrant Word of God together this morning. For again, church, we are in the Gospel of Mark this morning looking specifically at chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, where John Mark, he writes, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. And he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him. From every quarter. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you this morning as our God, the God of the universe, the only one in the entire universe that is worthy of our glory, honor, and praise. And how good it is to be together on your day as a church body, worshiping and glorifying you. And yet I ask this morning, Father, that you place on our hearts a burden for those that aren't with us here today, for the unsaved individuals that we see each and every day, individuals who are still dead in their sin, still walking of this world, still possessing leprosy of the heart, if you will. Lord, give us a burden for those individuals today to love, care, and serve them and to give them the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only message that can save them from their sins, cleanse them of their sins, and reconcile them back to you. 
Convict us of that this morning, Father, we pray. Lord, let us see you as the only one who can do it as well, who sent his son Jesus Christ into this world to be the substitute for us, to trade places with us, and by dying for our sins on a cross at Calvary. Lord, let us see the beauty and the depth of your word this morning as we look at your scriptures. Father, I pray that you give this wonderful congregation eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive your word. Lord, let our hearts this morning be just as big as our brains. Father, I pray that you help my lisping, stammering tongue as well. Lord, give me the words to speak this morning, relying completely on you and your spirit to use me as you see fit. Let my words glorify you this morning, Father, and build up this dear flock, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning is this, point number one, church. Unlike the world, Jesus Christ did not shy away from the unclean who came to him, but instead Jesus Christ was willing to reach out, touch, and heal them. Unlike the world, Jesus Christ did not shy away from the unclean who came to him, but instead Jesus Christ was willing to reach out, touch, and heal them. Verses 40 through 42, which reads, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. So in the midst of Jesus Christ, traveling all over Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of God, and casting out demons left and right as a way to authenticate his message. It says in verse 40 that in the midst of all of that, that a leper came to Jesus Christ and said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Now, at face value and to our Western minds, there doesn't seem to be anything too crazy here, church, in the text. I mean, this idea that a leper or a man with a terrible chronic skin disease would willingly seek after Jesus Christ, this miraculous miracle worker, in order to see if Jesus Christ would potentially heal him. I mean, in all honesty, that seems to make perfect sense to me. However, when you consider the historical context here, church, that being that according to the Mosaic law, an individual who had leprosy, just like the man mentioned in our text this morning, that individual then in public had to wear torn clothes, had to let the hair on their head hang loose, had to cry out, unclean, unclean to anyone who came close to him, and had to also live and or dwell outside the camp or away from civilization as long as they had this leprous disease, according to that of Leviticus 13. And thus, if you were a Jewish man with leprosy in the ancient world, then socially you were pretty much the definition of an outcast, who everyone literally was trying to avoid because to be touched or to come into contact with someone who had leprosy meant that you too would be defiled and deemed as unclean and pretty much would be casted out of the Jewish community as well. Therefore, being that a leper here would 
would just brazenly ignore the restrictions of the law and reject the social standards of the day and neglect completely all the health code regulations that have been put into place with this community and just simply walk right up to Jesus Christ and say to him, if you will, you can make me clean. I mean, that would have just absolutely shocked and horrified anyone who would have seen or read about this due to the audacity, the recklessness, and the chutzpah, if you will, of this unclean man just dangerously exposing himself to others. And yet Jesus Christ here, church, he isn't upset at the leper, nor is he disgusted by the leper, nor is he afraid of the leper, alarmed by the leper, or even nervous about getting the leper's cooties or germs. But instead, Jesus Christ, who had every right, according to the societal norms of the day, to be mad here, like downright furious here at this unclean leper for breaking just about every health code imaginable and for exposing him to his sickness, endangering him with his disease, and for potentially making the king of the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, defiled, unclean, and unwell with that of leprosy, Jesus Christ here instead is moved by this man. Moved, verse 41, with pity. Not by worry or scorn or disdain or any of that, but instead Jesus Christ here is moved by pity. So much so that Jesus Christ then, quite honestly, he does the unthinkable here. For Jesus Christ then, as it says in verse 41, he actually stretches out his hand here and he touches the unclean leper. An act, church, that according to the Mosaic law would have defiled Jesus Christ and would have instantly made him unclean as well. And yet, strikingly, as theologian Mark Strauss puts it, Instead of Jesus Christ being defiled by the unclean leper, Jesus Christ instead brings purification to this unclean man. Instead of Jesus Christ being defiled by the unclean leper, Jesus Christ instead brings purification to this unclean man. Because when Jesus Christ touches the leper and says to him, be clean, immediately then, verse 42, the leprosy leaves him and the man here is made clean. And make no mistake here, church, for if Jesus Christ wanted to heal this man just by saying a word, or just by uttering a phrase, or just by making the command Jesus Christ, he absolutely could have done that. However, there is something beautiful and stunning and profound in verse 42 concerning the fact that the man who no one wanted to be around, Jesus Christ, he welcomed. That the man who everyone was afraid of, Jesus Christ, was moved to pity by. And the man who no one wanted to come within 50 steps of, Jesus Christ was willing to reach out to and to touch. Because we have a God, church, who doesn't just hide away from his people, ruling over them from some kind of ivory tower, but instead we have a God church who was willing to stoop down to us to get his hands dirty for us and to love, touch, and heal even those who are unclean. Charles Sell, in his book, Unfinished Business, shared about the work of Renee Spitz concerning the power 
of a compassionate touch. For Spitz observed and recorded what happened to 97 children who were deprived of emotional and physical contact with others while being raised in a South African orphanage. As Spitz explains, due to a lack of funding, there was just not enough staff to adequately care for these 97 children, ages three months to three years old. And thus, although the nurses changed diapers, fed and bathed the children, there was simply too little time in the day to hold and to cuddle and to talk to each of them as a mother would. Therefore, after only three months, many of them showed signs of abnormality. Besides a loss of appetite and being unable to sleep well, many of the children laid with a vacant expression in their eyes. Furthermore, after five months then, more serious deterioration set in. For many of the children laid whimpering with troubled and twisted faces. And often when a doctor or nurse would pick them up, the child would then scream in terror. Twenty-seven. Almost one-third of the children in the study died during the first year, and not from a lack of food or health care. They died instead due to a lack of emotional nurture, compassion, and that much-needed caring touch. Seven more died in year two, and all in all, the study found ultimately only 21 of the 97 children ended up surviving their orphanage experience, with most of them then suffering from serious psychological damage. Church, I never had a doubt when I came here to Faith Bible Fellowship Church and read our articles of faith and heard the expositional preaching and teaching and messages of men who preached in this pulpit before me that this was a church who took their doctrine seriously that this was a church who took their theology seriously, and that this was a church who took their study of the infallible word of God seriously. And trust me, church, I praise God for that. However, it was, it is, and continues to be my prayer, church, that our hearts as a church body be just as big as our brains. Because sometimes, as Kent Hughes wrote, our compassionate touch and our caring involvement toward those we seek to help will do a thousand times more than our theology. And thus, brother Christian, sister Christian, the point that I want you to ponder then this morning is this. For is your desire, Christian, to receive, to touch, and to care for the least of these matched by your desire to educate yourself on the latest evangelical or political controversy? For is your desire, Christian, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ each and every day matched by your desire to sit at home and to read the latest Christian book that is causing all the stir on social media? For is your desire, Christian, to serve those who don't look like you, to be compassionate to those who don't talk like you, and to show mercy to those who don't live like you, matched by your desire to win arguments against those who disagree with you. 
Because if we as a church body really are serious about reaching those in our neighborhoods and in our communities and in our towns with the gospel of Jesus Christ, when then, when then, when the world comes to us in need, Christian, we cannot then, as the body of Jesus Christ, withhold our compassion from them simply because they voted for someone that we do not like or because they do not go to church or because they use foul language, go to the bar, have a gay daughter, or possess a worldview that distinctly opposes ours. Instead, as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, we must be willing then, Christian, to receive them, to have pity on them, and not to withdraw from them, even when they are in need, but instead to love them, to serve them, and to show compassion to them. Because although we, unlike Jesus Christ, don't personally have the power to heal them. Make no mistake about it, for when we do love, touch, and serve them, oh, it gives us an opportunity, Christian, an opportunity that we would never have if we weren't willing to show compassion to them, to give them the message then that can ultimately heal, cleanse, and save them from each and every one of their sins. Therefore, let us be quick, church, to be merciful, compassionate, and to take pity on the unsaved world around us when they come to us in need since it was our King Jesus Christ Church who came into this world not to call the righteous, but to call the unrighteous to save the sinner and to bring healing to the heart of the unclean. Which brings us to point number two. Despite our uncleanliness and sin, Jesus Christ was still willing to be our substitute. Despite our uncleanliness and sin, Jesus Christ was still willing to be our substitute. Verses 43 through 45. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began talking freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. So as we see in verse 43, it says that after Jesus Christ healed this man with leprosy, that Jesus then sternly charged him and said to him in verse 44, see that you say nothing to anyone. And this concept of Jesus telling others to say nothing about him, well, it has actually come up a couple times thus far in the Gospel of Mark. For example, when the demon in verse 24 referred to Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God, Jesus said to him, be silent. And then when Jesus was casting out many other demons, it again says in verse 34 that Jesus would not permit them to speak because they knew him. And then again, as we see today in verse 43, Jesus charges this man who he had just healed to say nothing to anyone. Which leads to the question then for why did Jesus Christ not want the world to know at this time exactly who he was and about all the miraculous acts that he was performing, which is, as some theologians call it, the messianic 
secret? And the short answer to that question, as we briefly discussed last week, church, is because Jesus Christ didn't want the people of Galilee only coming to him for the physical benefits, or only for the healings, or only for the miracles, but instead Jesus Christ wanted the people coming to him to hear his message, to repent of their sins, to believe in the gospel, and to become members of the eternal kingdom of God. And thus Jesus Christ sternly charges this man here in verse 44 to say nothing to anyone about this healing. And not only that, church, but as we also see in verse 44, Jesus Christ also tells this man to go and show yourself to the priest and to offer for yourself cleansing what Moses commanded for proof. In essence, telling this man here to go to the local priest, likely somewhere in Galilee, in order to have the necessary purification rituals performed according to Leviticus 14, and then to make the trip down to Jerusalem to the temple in order, verse 44, to offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded, which would then, church, allow this now leprous free man to be welcomed back into his community where he could live with his family again, kiss his wife again, hug his children again, worship in the synagogue again, and have his life finally back again. So yeah, this was like a really, really big deal, church, for this now leprous free man. So much so that likely either on his way to see the priest in Galilee or on his way to the temple in Jerusalem, this now leprous free man, well, he simply can't help himself. And although Jesus Christ strictly charged him to tell no one about this healing, he literally just goes out and does the exact opposite of that. Or as verse 45 puts it, he goes out and begins to talk freely about it. And this guy, church, he talks and he talks and he talks so freely about it to anyone and to everyone that Jesus Christ now, verse 45, can no longer openly enter into towns, but instead is now forced to be out just like the leper was out in the desolate places. And this is just a fascinating turn of events here, church, is it not? Because if you think about it, the now cleansed leper, I mean, before he was touched by Jesus Christ, he was the definition of an outcast, forced to live on the fringes of society, couldn't get near anyone, and had to literally cry out, unclean, unclean, if anyone came near him. And yet after being touched by Jesus Christ, the leper now is going to be able to enter back into society, whereas Jesus Christ here, who previously was part of society and was able to come and go as he pleased, he now, after healing this leper and having word spread about this healing, Jesus Christ now is the one forced to be out in the desolate place. And thus do you see here, church, the picture of substitution that has taken place in our text. For a scholar, James Edwards more astutely describes it. Mark began this story with Jesus on the inside and the leper on the outside. 
At the end of the story, Jesus is outside in the lonely places. Jesus and the leper have traded places. For Mark has certainly cast Jesus Christ in the role as the servant of the Lord who bears the iniquity of others and whose bearing of them causes him to be numbered with the transgressors. And thus, this story of Jesus Christ healing the unclean leper and trading places with him. It is a beautiful and wonderful analogy, church, or a picture, if you will, of Jesus Christ as the willing substitute for sinners. A substitute, church, who would ultimately then be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, Isaiah 53. A substitute, church, who would ultimately then place our infirmities upon himself and carry away our disease, Matthew chapter 8, a substitute church who would ultimately then become a curse for us, Galatians chapter 3, lay down his life for us, 1 John chapter 3, be a ransom for us, Mark chapter 10, and literally die on a cross for us, Romans chapter 5, so that through his wounds we could be healed, through his blood we could be cleansed, and through his substitutionary atonement on the cross at Calvary church, we could eternally then be forgiven of our sins. Amen, church. Which segues us so well into our conclusion this morning, where I will begin by addressing the non-Christian who was here first. And I say that because non-Christian, you, me, and every other human being out there today We are all born into this world, dead in our sins, unclean, and with a leprosy, if you will, of the heart. Which means, non-Christian, we need to be healed, we need to be cleansed and forgiven of our sins in order to be reconciled back into fellowship with our God forever, which is exactly what Jesus Christ can offer to you this morning, non-Christian. Because Jesus Christ, he came into this world, non-Christian, as truly God and as truly man and lived a perfect and faultless and sinless life where he completely and absolutely fulfilled the law of God here on earth without any sin. And yet, non-Christian, although Jesus Christ, he himself never sinned, he still willingly took all of our sins upon himself, meaning all our lust and jealous thoughts and fits of anger, all our drunkenness and murder and strife, all our immorality and deceptions and vulgarity. Jesus Christ, he took each and every one of those sins upon himself and bore the penalty that we deserve for those sins as our very substitute, and that he, Jesus Christ, died a sinner's death in our very place by being crucified, crushed, and killed on a cross at Calvary, willingly dying for the unrighteous. However, non-Christian, being that Jesus Christ never sinned, and being that he appeased the wrath of a holy God toward his sinful children, sin and death and non-Christian, they literally couldn't keep the sinless Son of God dead. 
Therefore, three days later, Jesus Christ, who did indeed die for the sins of many, he did not stay dead. But instead, he, Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead, and he defeated sin and destroyed death once and for all, and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin, and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone, as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin and died for your sin and can clothe you then in his perfect life and reconcile you back to God forever. And thus, it doesn't matter, non-Christian, what sins you have committed, how often you have committed them, and how unforgivable you think you are, because there isn't a sin out there, non-Christian, that the blood of Jesus Christ can't cleanse you of if you repent and place your trust in him. Therefore, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today, will be the day that you will be forgiven of all of your sins, healed spiritually, and given the gift of eternal life. And to the Christian who is here today, brother Christian, sister Christian, I closed our first point this morning with a word of encouragement or an exhortation to you all to be willing to be merciful and compassionate and loving to those who are unsaved, still of the world, and still dead in their sins. Because in doing so, it gives us an opportunity then, as Christians, to share with the world the love, the mercy, and most importantly of all, the message of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Which is, Christian, much easier said than done, is it not? Because it can be really hard, church, to give your time and your resources to someone who you know is taking advantage of the government by not working. It can be really hard, church, to have mercy on someone who they themselves don't show mercy to the least of these. And it can most certainly be hard, church, to show compassion to someone who openly taunts and makes fun of your beliefs each and every day at work. Nevertheless, despite all of that, brother Christian, sister Christian, we must still never allow ourselves to fall into the trap of believing that we as Christians then are exempt from caring for the sinner, or excused from showing compassion to the wrongdoer, or absolved from showing mercy to those dead in their sins, or exonerated from stooping down and touching those with leprosy of the heart. Because the truth of the matter is, Christian, before you came to Jesus Christ, that was you. That before you came to Jesus Christ, Christian, that sinner who you are avoiding to love, touch, and to serve, that sinner was you. And do not believe the lie for a second, Christian, that you were never as bad as the homosexual, or never as bad as the transgender, or never as bad as that woke intern, or never as bad as all the other quote-unquote most despicable sins of our day, because the reality is, Christian, outside of the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, you were just as dead in your sin, guilty and deserving of the wrath of God as anyone else out there. However, 
I am not sharing this with you this morning, Christian, in an effort to beat you down, to make you feel bad about yourself, or to condemn you in any way. But instead, I am sharing this with you this morning, Christian, to encourage you to keep loving on your unsaved neighbor who is hard to love, to exhort you to keep doing the work of an evangelist even though you have been shut down in the past, and to remind you, as Charles Spurgeon wrote, that although there are some sins out there in which we cannot speak, there are no sins out there in which the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash away. That there are no sins out there in which the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash away. And thus, it doesn't matter, Christian, how sinful or jacked up or wicked or vile or depraved your neighbor might be. Nor does it matter what their voting pattern looks like, what flags they fly outside their house, who they listen to on the radio, what they are telling their children, or how many times they have turned down your invitations to church in the past because what does matter and what we must 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 understand this morning is that if they desire to be healed by Jesus Christ the King Jesus Christ can and he will absolutely heal them and thus it is our job Christian to just continue to be faithful day in and day out of doing the work of the King not repaying evil for evil or reviling with reviling, but instead when our unsaved, unredeemed, and hard-to-get-along-with neighbor comes knocking at our door in need, we must willingly then bless them, Christian, and love them, Christian, and care for them, Christian, since that is exactly what we have been called to do, 1 Peter 3. In essence, Christian, when the sick and unclean and defiled world comes to you in need, do not be troubled by it, but instead reach out to it, touch it and serve it, and be willing to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ to it, since these are exactly the type of people, church, who Jesus Christ came into this world to save. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body do not be a people who see the unsaved world around us simply as sinners who need to be avoided, but instead that we as a church body see the unsaved world as those who were just like us before we came to faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us now as the redeemed be willing then to hear the cries of the unsaved, to engage the unsaved, and to offer the love and the message of our Lord Jesus Christ to the unsaved, because our God Jesus Christ, he can save the unsaved. And being that we as the children of God have been saved by Jesus Christ, by grace alone, through faith alone, which was not our own doing, but was a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Let us then humble ourselves before our King Jesus Christ this morning and be willing to love and care and reach out to those who are still in need of being cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Father, help us to earnestly and faithfully do this good to every unsaved individual we know, all for the expansion of your kingdom and for your eternal glory. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, how easy it is to run away from the individuals of this world who have this leprosy of the heart, 
that are still sinners who love their sin, promote their sin, glorify their sin, and obviously worship their sin. How easy it is to avoid them, to look down upon them, to judge them, to talk about them, and yet we have been called, Father, to love them. To share your gospel truth with them. For we were no different from them before. By grace, through faith in you, you called us to yourself. Lord, let that fact humble us this morning. Let us not be repulsed or troubled then when the world shows up at our door and needs help. Let us not withdraw from them or run away from them, but seek opportunity to love, touch, and serve them giving us such a wonderful opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, the King, to do his work here on earth, to further his kingdom, and to give them the message of the King. Give us a heart for the lost, Lord, we pray. Lord, you can heal physically the leper, but you can also spiritually heal anyone out there of any sin imaginable Your son's blood, Jesus Christ, it covers all sin. It cleanses all sin. Let us not become downhearted because people have said no to us in the past or because they are running a hell-bound race. Let us be faithful to you, Lord, for you can heal anyone. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen.